Why is the local church essential? Let me read the text and then we'll, we'll work through the sermon. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day, the day Jesus is coming back, drawing near. This week, one of the most influential pastors and preachers of my lifetime passed away. Charles Stanley was 90 years old. And Charles Stanley began his radio and television ministry in 1977. I was born in 75, so all my life he was preaching. And as the kind of the 80s uh, uh, came into the 1980s, it just seemed like his uh, uh, influence and the, the reach of their media ministry at First Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, where he was the pastor, just seemed to grow and grow and grow to where... Uh, Charles Stanley's sermons were translated into more than 100 languages through his in-touch ministry. It seems like in my lifetime, Charles Stanley was just always preaching. You would turn on the radio and flip through the channels, there was Charles Stanley. You would turn on the television, and there he was. So that beautiful backdrop of First Baptist Atlanta, and at one point, if y'all remember, it was a map of the world. Do y'all remember that? And it just feels like we just always watched Charles Stanley preaching, and there was something about his voice, you know, such a wonderful voice to listen to, a deep voice telling us over and over, listen, now listen, now listen, listen, listen. Certainly, we lost a great Southern Baptist figure in Charles Stanley, uh, probably one of the most important figures in Southern Baptist life in the last 50 years. Uh, two others I can think of, W.A. Criswell, Adrian Rogers were two others. Uh, we would watch Channel 8 every morning when we were, and whenever I was growing up. Channel 8 would be on TV and W.A. Crystal would be preaching. Just always remember his voice. And Adrian Rogers uh, was another one of those golden voice preachers. Huge television and radio ministries. And I think it's pretty safe to say that you aren't going to hear preachers like Stanley or Criswell or Rogers in the vast majority of Southern Baptist pulpits this morning. Now there are some guys in our convention, there's some guys in our association, they can really preach. But most of them are not household names. They don't have golden voices. I listen to Adrian Rogers preach and I just think, oh man, you know, I wish I sounded like that. I listen, you know, you always hate when you hear a recording of your voice. And I listen to me preaching and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's insufferable. I, I really love you all for listening every week. But you hear these guys with these tremendous voices and, and they're so brilliant in the things that they say and they can really communicate and persuade and they were just kind of the best of, of my era. It's really sad to see these guys dying, isn't it? It's just a, 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 it's a hard thing for us to, to face the fact that that generation that led us well and that preached to us is passing on. But do you know what? I can imagine 
a conversation. I'm just making this up in my mind, but let's say that a person walked up to Charles Stanley at the height of his preaching ministry, and they said, Dr. Stanley, we've never met, but you're my pastor. Now, I live in another state, but I listen to you every Sunday morning in the radio while I work in my garden. Now, how would Charles Stanley respond to that? I'm sure he would say something gracious. He would say, well, I'm glad that you are blessed by the radio ministry of our church, but I'm not your pastor, and you're not a member of the First Baptist Church of Atlanta, Georgia, and you need to find a local church, and you need to join that church. I listen to a lot of recordings of Criswell. In fact, there was a time where Adelaide and me, every time we would... uh, that we would wash the car. Adelaide would help me wash the car and we would put on MP3 uh, uh, sermons of W.A. Criswell. And we almost kind of came to where we just liked the way his voice sounded. I think that something about whatever that was when he would talk like this and he would say, oh my boy, you're washing that car so well. And we have a church in downtown Dallas, a vast ministry to all the people in Dallas, but all the leaders of these little churches, they come from the tiny hamlets like Albany, Texas. You know, he would just talk like that and you you just hear these guys and and their voices were on the radio and they were kind of, they just sounded like church to me. But why did they put their sermons on the radio and on TV, and now they're on the internet. Well, Chris did, Chriswell did it to spread the gospel. He wanted people to hear about Jesus and get saved. And then he wanted them to come to his church. He never intended for people to consider a broadcast recording of his sermon to be a replacement for being a member of a local church. And that, that's just the truth. You know what I hear a lot here in Olney when I talk to people and invite them to church? Well, I don't go to church, but I listen to Bob McCartney every week. He's the pastor of First Baptist Church, Wichita Falls. And, you know, if I hear somebody say that to me, well, I listen to Bob McCartney every week, it, that really tickles me when I hear someone out at the nursing home say it or someone who's physically shut in and they're not able to make it to a church meeting I like to hear them say that they're listening and they're being fed. And I'm glad that Bob has such a a television ministry that's easy to access. They just turn on their TV in the morning and there he is preaching. And Bob McCartney is a terrific preacher and he is a wonderful pastor and someone I really look up to. Wichita Falls First Baptist is a great church. But I think it would break Bob's heart if he heard someone say that they were substituting a recording of his sermon for a local church. And you may be watching this morning on YouTube or Facebook because you couldn't make it today for health reasons or maybe you're thinking about coming for a visit and you want to check it out online first. Or maybe you're a member of our church and you're out of town. I mean, we've done that. We've tuned into services when we've been out of town. Last time we did that, we went to church with my mom at First Baptist Church in Hearst and we went over there and went to the 930 service or something like that, the 930 service, and we... uh, enjoyed that we my mom introduced us to her her friends there after church we saw some people that we knew and then we went and got in the uh, car and we turned on first baptist church of Olney, and and, uh, we heard summer and the girls were leading the music and it was great 
and we heard Chris preach, and it was great to be able to tune in and connect when we couldn't actually be here. But you know what people usually say after they listen to our Facebook or YouTube broadcast? They say, wow, it's so much better to actually be there in person. It's so much better to actually, it's really no substitute. It's so much better in person. And you know, I love my mom uh, that she does this every single week. My mom goes to her Sunday school class, and then uh, she sits in the parking lot of the church. Let's just call her and see what she's doing. This might be dangerous. Hello? What are you doing? I'm listening to you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're on speakerphone, so don't say anything embarrassing. Oh, okay. Okay. But we're just talking about the importance of the local church. Wouldn't you say it's been crucial in your Christian walk to be a part of a local church? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if I ever got sick and in the hospital, I'm sure Joel Osteen wouldn't come see me. Uh, there, oh. <laughs> she, you're, 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 really, you're a real hit. This is... They never laugh at my jokes, but <laughs> but when you say what did you say? What Carol Ann Draper's class was probably the most formative thing for you, your Sunday school class. Oh, oh yeah, I still quote Carol Ann yeah. every day. I think things she told me, absolutely. And she would visit me in my she'd come to my conference period at school and visit me in my classroom. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, well, I, well, I appreciate you taking me to church, and I'm going to hang up and finish my sermon. Okay. Okay, but we're glo- but we're glo- Tell Sawyer I'm proud of him. He did a great job. Me- Mimi's proud. All right. Thanks, Mom. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. That was fun. Uh, so, so what she does, she just kind of sits there after she goes to her Sunday school class and her, uh, her, her church service, and then she goes out and watches us. But, and because, you know, Mama's proud. But... But I love the fact that she doesn't use our church as a substitute for her church. She's involved and plugged in to a local church. Let's look at the text and see if we can find some, uh, uh, some, something in God's word that would tell us that it's essential for us to be here as part of this local church. So to who wrote the book of Hebrews? Let's just say it on three. Ready? One, two, three. No one knows. Okay. Uh, <laughs> The front row was really, really tuned in there. Uh, could have been Paul. Could have been a sermon Paul preached and Luke wrote down. Could have been Apollos. Could have been somebody else that was associated with the apostles. We don't know. Uh, but what the, the book was written to Jewish Christians to remind them of the gospel and of the superiority of Christ's sacrifice. So they were tempted to go back to those animal sacrifices, to go back to the temple. And, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, don't go back there. The once for all sacrifice has happened. It's better than anything that's happening in the temple. Don't go back to the dead law that just kills you, but stay with Christ. Don't forsake your faith. Stay with Jesus, who is your life. That's the setting of the book of Hebrews. And if we look at chapter 10... In verses 23 through 25, Dale, I'm feeding back just a little bit. I'm not sure what it is. Uh, Verses 23 through 25, that'll help us see why the local church is essential. And and there's lots of places we could go in Scripture that will show us the local church is essential. We'll look at some of those as we go throughout this series. 
But I just focused in on these three verses for the sake of time this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So he doesn't say you need to hold fast, does he? He doesn't say you need to hold fast. Who needs to hold fast? Us. Us. He says let us hold fast to our confession. Now is the Christian faith something that's received individually? Yes. I can't believe for you. You can't believe for me. It has to be something that you have a relationship with God yourself, that Jesus is your priest. He makes peace between you and God. That happens on an individual basis for sure. In other words, just being around saved people doesn't make you saved. But the Christian faith is something that's intended to be held in common. We hold fast together. We confess together. We have a common hope. We don't waver because we share together the promises of the one who is faithful. Where do we do this? Where do we hold fast together and confess together and hold our hope together and don't waver together and share the promises of the faithful one? Where do we do this? In what context? In the church. In the church. Look at verse 24. He says, and let us consider how to stir up, underline that, how to stir up one another to love and good works. Are you stirred up this morning? Let us consider, let's get together and think about it, how we can stir one another up to love and good works. How do we do it? Very simply in here, what do we do? I get up here first thing in the morning and I get out my checkbook. And I'm trying to stir you up. And some of y'all are like, well, that's, that's pretty rude to get your checkbook out. But I'm trying to stir you up. I'm trying to make you see we have 28 kids that want to go to church camp. 28 kids that have signed up and they want to go up to Iowa Park where it's 120 degrees. And you know what? If those 28 kids want to go, I want to go too. And I want to be there when they hear Colby King share the gospel with them. When they get away from all the, the things that, that maybe cloud and occupy their minds, and when they get up there, they start, they start hearing the preaching, they start hearing people talk, they hear the worship, hear people talking about the Lord, talk with their sponsors, and those kids start thinking, well, maybe I need to put my trust in Jesus. And they're fourth, fifth, and sixth graders, they're getting to that age where they can truly understand that they're sinners. And that if they're not saved from their sin, if the punishment of their sin is not taken away, they will bear it for eternity. And so they're open to hearing the gospel. And if we got 28 kids that want to go, let's send them. I'm stirring you up to love those kids and to do the good work of getting them there. Because it's not free. It's not cheap. We have to pay for the food and for the electricity and for the camp and all those things. We talked last week about the invisible church. So we know there's one church that is all the Christians for all of time. And I, do, and I find people that are Christians that are like rogue Christians. You ever run across those? Where, I mean, they've got, you know, they're wearing like, I've come across and they're wearing like yarmulkes and Jewish things and they're reading their Bible and they're saying, you know, that they're Christians and all this. And you say, where do you go to church? And they say, 
uh, you know, I don't, I don't go to a church. And you think, well, wait a minute. You know, that's like, that's like coming across a fish, you know, down here, I don't know, like at the Shell Station. And you're like, uh, what are you doing out here? Shouldn't you be in the lake? I mean, it's like the natural place for a Christian to be is connected to a church. I mean, imagine if you just, you remember that, uh, that a TV show, uh, The Adams Family? And there was like this disembodied hand. Was that called Thing? Is that what it was? Okay, yeah, y'all are like really, y'all really know Adam's family. All right, how do y'all know that? How do y'all kids know Adam's family? Uh, you've, okay, okay. Uh, so anyway, there's this hand, and it's not attached to a body. Well, you know what that is? That's weird, and it's funny. A hand not attached to the body. What is a Christian who's not a part of a church? It's a member who's not attached to the body. It's like a hand running out there with, without being attached to the body. Why do you need to be attached to the body? Because the body's attached to the head and the head is Jesus. The church here is called the body of Christ. You want to know Jesus? Get in the church. Because Jesus loves His church. Jesus is with His church. His presence is here through the power of the Holy Spirit. In a special way, as we gather together, all members of one body, the Bible says, connected to the head. And the Bible says this, when we get together and we're all connected together, it says we're growing into the head. This is how God has designed that we would mature in Christ. But what are these rogue Christians? What's going on? Well, they don't want to submit to authority. They don't want to be under the authority of a pastor, of a congregation. They want to do the Christian life on their own terms. Because what happens when you go to church? Well, you might hear something you don't like. You might hear something that stirs you up. Maybe it stirs you up to love and to good works. Maybe it stirs you up to repentance. Maybe it changes your mind about the way you thought about things and you say, I need to submit to God in this area. I'm not being submissive to Him. I don't love people. I don't want to do good works. Sometimes when you come to church... And you preach the sermon, and someone will walk past you, and they'll say, you really stepped on my toes today. But when they say that, they're never complaining, because they know they needed it. And we all, when, and I've said this to people, when I go to convention meetings and all that, I say, well, I don't know, I, say, I feel like I preach pretty hard. And I've talked to some of y'all, and you're like, you're not a hard preacher, trust me. But I feel like I say things that, I mean, I even write things down that I think, oh man, how's that going to go over? But I find that most people like to hear the truth and they like to hear it straight up. You know, if you'll cut it straight and you'll just say, here's what it is. Here's what you need to be doing. Okay? You know who hears that? The sheep hear the shepherd's voice. And the goats don't like it. I don't want goats to come in here and like it. I want goats to come in here and say, I need to be a sheep. What do I need to do? And the message of the gospel is, Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. As so you may feel in there like, wow, I feel like a goat in here. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm relating to any of this. Well, that should be a, a trigger. There's a problem. You're not submitted to Jesus isn't your Lord. You're your Lord. And so I find that people like the hard preaching. Well, not everybody does. I mean, I, and, and we all have different personalities. And, and sometimes I do soften the things I say, or try to say things in a, a reasonable way or make a more persuasive argument. There's times where you have to treat things nuanced and, 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 and in a delicate way. But most of the time, the truth is just pretty plain. And it's just a matter, it's not a matter of us saying, do we like the truth or not? It's just saying, we know this is the truth, but we don't want to obey it. We need to be 
obedient. That's what happens when we come to church. We get together. I learn about your needs. You learn about my needs. We talk and we learn how we can serve other people. Oh, there's a ramp being built over here. People need food over here. People need the gospel here in this country. We need to give to this offering. We need to give to this offering. We need to come together in fellowship so we can strengthen our faith. It's amazing. This is what Jesus has called us to do. He's given us a new command. He says, love one another. But it's hard to love one another. I know it's hard to love me. It's hard to love people that aren't like you. And look, this is a whole room full of people that aren't like each other. And it's hard for us to love one another. And so we need to come in here and be stirred up to do it. You always feel like being a loving Christian doing good works. I don't. But I need someone to challenge me and say, hey, here's an opportunity. Here's people that need Jesus. And it's, it's amazing when we come together and, we, and, and if, if I just stayed as that rogue Christian and I'm outside like that old illustration where the preacher comes in to the man who hasn't, and I've shared with this before, he comes in, the man hasn't been in worship in a long time and he doesn't say a word. He just walks in, the guy's got a fireplace there, he takes a coal out of the fire and he sets it over here and that hot coal, you know what it does? It goes cold, turns black. Waits for a minute, takes the coal, puts it back over on the fire, it heats back up. And sometimes what I need from you is to be heated back up. I need to be stirred up to love and to good works. We've been called, given a new command, love one another. We've also been given the golden rule, do unto others, do. Do good works. Treat people the way you would want to be treated if you were in need. So where are you stirred up to obey Jesus? Where can you stir others up to obey Jesus? Somebody says, well, I worship out in nature. Me too. I mean, I love being outside and just being overwhelmed by the beauty of God's creation. We took a walk the other day and it felt so good. All, all that all you could do was just praise the Lord. But I don't hit the lake or the golf course or the trails or whatever when I know I need to be with you because I have a duty to you. Not just as the pastor, but even if I wasn't the pastor. I'm a member of this body. And as a member of this body, you have a duty to everyone around you. I have a duty to be with like-minded people who will stir me up to be more like Jesus. And on the flip side, I'm not just here to be stirred up. I'm here to stir other people up for Jesus. And you know, there's a lot of good works you can't even do unless you're in church. Think of these commands. Be of the same mind with one another. Be at peace with one another. Accept one another. Wait for one another before beginning the Lord's Supper. Don't bite or devour or consume one another. Don't challenge or envy one another. Gently, patiently tolerate one another. It's hard to be in church, isn't it, sometimes? Because we have to bear with each other and we have to tolerate one another in love. Be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving to one another. Bear and forgive one another. Seek good for one another. And don't repay evil for evil. Don't complain against one another. Confess sins to one another. Love one another. Through love, serve one another. Tolerate one another. Greet one another with a kiss. Now, I don't know about that one. I don't know how that one's supposed to work out. Nobody be smooching. Give preference to one another in honor. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. I've got about 25 more I could read to you that I won't. But you get the point, right? 
Where are you going to obey all these commands when you need someone else to obey the command? You need the one another. Where's the other? In the local church. See, the, the other is not just out there in space somewhere, you know. It's not just, oh, Lord, pray, pray for all the missionaries, bless everybody, all, all the Christians. That's not how we're called to love each other. We're called to love each other by actually knowing one another, serving one another, and obeying all these commands that are hard to obey. Don't judge one another. Don't put a stumbling block in another, another's way. Bear one another's burdens. How can I bear your burdens if I don't know what you're going through? If I don't even know you? So to obey all these commands, you ha- why is the church essential? Because you can't even be obedient without it. And then verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. So get this, it's a command. Okay? The command here is for us to not neglect meeting together. Don't neglect the fact that we need to meet together. Don't neglect the meeting. We can almost say don't neglect each other. As is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. It doesn't get more simple than this. Here's the black and white truth. Christians, um, Christians are commanded to meet together. Christians are commanded not to neglect the meeting. Okay? And it's the habit of some in 2023 to neglect the meeting together. And it's kind of encouraging, though. It was, it was already the habit of some in the first century to neglect meeting together. They were neglecting the church. They were neglecting the people that they had agreed to love and serve and stir up. And maybe they were sitting at home and they were pouting, saying, oh, the church is neglecting me. Oh, nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. You know, I remember my mom when I would say things like that when I was in junior high. And you know, your mom, y'all saw how she is. Uh, She's like, if you want to have a friend, you've got to be a friend. You know, she would never let me just feel sorry for myself because I didn't like the way things were. She would say, well, are you being a friend? You know, if, you want, if you'll go out and be a friend, why are you expecting everybody just to come serve you? Go out there and be a friend. Go love somebody else and you'll get love back. <clears throat> but, it, you know, we can sit around and have these feelings like we're being neglected or this or that. But that's not what the Bible lets you get away with, is it? He says you don't need to neglect it. Why is that such a strong command? Why do you have to be with your brothers and sisters in the local church? Why is the local church essential to your walk with Christ? Here's what Charles Stanley said. Quote, We are surrounded by forces that work to blow us off course. Sheer individual commitment alone is not enough to keep us in line. Sawyer kind of said that, didn't he? It's like, I know y'all will be here to keep me on the straight and narrow. It was good. He didn't even know what I was going to preach today. And there are times, Stanley says, there are times when we feel that our faith makes no difference and we see no fruit in our lives and we don't seem to make any difference in anyone else's life either. He says, during these times when we're low, it's interesting, when people are the most tempted to pull out of church and just not be there, he says, we're tempted to pull up our anchor and drift. He says, after all, everybody else is doing that. At least that's how it appears. But here's what he says. And then we drag ourselves to church and we discover we're not alone. 
and something begins to happen inside of us. We hear the testimonies of other people and we are spurred on to faithfulness. The accountability and encouragement found in church fellowship anchor us against the tides that work to sweep us away. Now that's the guy that anybody could have just turned on. You could still turn on the radio and find him. And what would he be saying to you? What's he saying to us now from beyond the grave? He's saying, get involved in that local church. You need it. It's essential for your survival as a Christian. The illustration I like is a train illustration. And I know we've all felt, you, just, you ever, just there, maybe it's, you know, 3.30 on a Wednesday night. And if I walked up to you and said, you feel like praying right now? You'd say, No. I feel like going home and putting my feet up and, you know, watching TV. Do you feel like, Summer, do you feel like at 3.30 on Wednesday afternoon going into a group of, of, of second graders, particularly those 18 second graders, and teaching the Bible class? Not all the time. But when I get up here to Team Kid and I see everybody else that's teaching, and I see the people that have worked to make the meal, and I see the guys out at the parking lot welcoming all the kids in, it energizes me, and I'm ready to go up there and into the belly of the beast with the second graders. And, 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 and we, we pull it off, right? We, every week, you know, we walk out of there relatively unharmed. And, and I think every week we're always surprised at what the kids picked up. You know, that when it seems like they're not listening, they're listening. Or maybe for you, you come to prayer meeting and you didn't feel, feel prayerful. But when you got to a place where people were praying, there was momentum. It's like a train coming down the tracks. Here comes a train and that train is moving 60 miles an hour. And if you jump on that train that's moving 60 miles an hour, all of a sudden you're moving 60 miles an hour. Now, when you were at work at 3.30 and you were feeling really tired, spiritually you were going zero miles an hour. But all of a sudden... You came to church, and the brothers and sisters stirred you up, and they encouraged you and cheered you on, and now you're going 60 miles an hour, and you're experiencing that victory in Christ. How did that happen? It happened because of the church. It happened because of the way God designed this whole thing to work. It's that we need each other to help mold each other into the image of Christ. You're God's design to make me a better Christian. And you can't do that if we're not together. If we're not living a common life. That's such, and technology helps us to live some of that common life together, but technology also hurts it. And our busyness is great, but sometimes it keeps us from really connecting. But don't forget this. The local church is essential to your discipleship. You want to grow closer to Jesus Christ? Get plugged into the church. And that doesn't mean just like, oh, what can I do? Where can I dip green beans off, uh, in, on a plate or whatever? That's not what discipleship is. Discipleship is having a conversation with somebody say, hey, what did you find about the sermon that was helpful? And having that conversation. Did, what, what did you think about the Sunday school lesson? What, what, uh, you taught a great lesson. Tell me what you learned in your, in your preparation that you didn't share with us. It's those conversations, those spiritual conversations is how you're discipled in the church. It's not just a, about getting up here and doing things, although doing things is great. But if everybody just wants to find something to do in the church, there's, there's, you know, what are we here to do? We're here to learn. So we come and we sit and we listen to teaching. And then what we're doing is we're encouraging one another in the life that we live that's in common. That's friendship. That's relationship. It's not just doing stuff. Okay? And you know what? Oh, well, okay. I guess, uh, did I upset you guys? Oh, no. <clears throat> They're going to help. 
They need to warn me when they're going to do that next time. I have nightmares like this. <laughs> Y'all leave, even you? There's not much left in the sermon. Ella, come on. All right, we'll see you in there. <laughs> they were really thinking about it. The only two people to listen to me. There they go. All right, so just remember, your, your, your discipleship uh, in this local church is crucial to you to grow to be more like Jesus Christ. But I can't disciple everybody here. Now, I can, I can do formal discipleship. With it. Like right now, this is formal discipleship. We're all sitting in rows. And most of y'all didn't just get up and leave. Like there's, like, like there's a structure and a format to all of this. We sing, we do all this, right? So we, we, have, what, we have what's going on here, formally. But you're probably going to be helped as much or more by the informal discipleship that happens through your friendships. But people talking on the phone, people going to the coffee shop together, people getting out a book and are reading a Bible book together and reading scripture together. That's the way, I can't do all that, I can't do that with y'all. There's not enough time, and I don't have enough energy, and you don't have enough time to disciple everybody, but you know what? We can do what we can, can't we? We can do what we can, and we can find those people that are, that, you know, it's sort of like discipleship's like whack-a-mole. Y'all remember the game whack-a-mole, right? You take the little hammer, and, you, and the thing that pops up at Chuck E. Cheese, and you whack it on the head. All right, that's kind of how discipleship is. Not everybody's interested in being discipled, but when one of them pops up, you disciple them. And they will pop up in your life. Someone will come to you. I had someone come to me the other day. Like, uh, well, I was actually I was at a store the other day, and somebody just said, I'm really trying to grow closer to God. Boom, that's, that's an intro to have a conversation about what we can do to get that person closer to the Lord. So don't forget, the local church is essential. We talked last week about what a true church is. True church is founded on the true gospel. But the, 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 the true church is expressed in local ways. And the church is essential for your discipleship. Don't forget, this is like the wait, there's more part of the sermon. Here's why it's, here's why it's also essential. Because Jesus Christ founded the church. Jesus Christ purchased the church with his blood, Acts 20, 28. Jesus identifies personally with the church. When Paul was persecuting Christians, what did Jesus say? Why are you persecuting me? He identifies personally with the church. The church is essential because it's essential to Jesus. The church should be important to you because the church is important to Jesus. When we suffer, he says he suffers. The church is called the body of Christ. How is that not essential? The church is the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. It's the instrument that is used to glorify God in the world, and it's the thing that God is using to bring the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations. Charles Stanley did a great job with that golden voice of making the gospel audible. But when you live the Christian life, you make the gospel visible with expressions of love in the local church, with good works in the local church, as we obey together the word of God and we take hold of those promises and don't let go of the one who is faithful. Jesus said, by our love for one another, all people will know you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, John 13, 35. This is where we love one another. But how can we do, go deeper if we won't do the basics of showing up and engaging and giving and worshiping and declaring our faith and learning the word of God and being committed to grow? The local church is essential for a believer. 
because we hold our faith with others. We need others to grow in love and obedience. And if we neglect it, if we neglect meeting together, then we're being disobedient. And we're sinning and we're saying, God, you don't know what's best for me. I don't need to do that. I don't need to meet with those people. I don't need to be connected to those people. And if we neglect being together, meeting together, and I'm not just talking about coming to church on Sunday morning at 1045. I'm talking about really connecting, okay? It's easy to come here. The relationship is the hard part. But he's told us it's a non-negotiable. We have to do it. And the basics would just, the first step is just being here. It's great. I'm glad you're here. But it's not enough. It's not, it's not in itself enough. It's essential for us to truly plug in that we might grow in obedience and faith in Jesus Christ.